Welcome back to the Black Shoe Diaries podcast. Chris Grobich here, still completely infected with the baby plague after uh, about three weeks. And uh, Kevin Powers down in D.C., uh, trusty podcast partner and uh, responsible for carrying this one because I have about five minutes of voice in me today. So get to talking. Yeah, healthy and still babyless this week. <laughs> and it, it's like a free ticket to uh, the doctor's office. Having a baby, <laughs> it, it, there there are a number of things that will uh, change your life about having a child. Um, you stop sleeping, uh, you stop really caring about yourself, and just focusing everything on a baby, and you get fucking sick constantly. <laughs> and there's no it, there, there's no getting around it. Baby, totally fine. My wife, pretty good. Me, like sick as a dog. <laughs> and um, there there's no getting away from it. I, I was healthy for three days. And then uh, fell right back into the uh, the realm of coughing and insomnia, and, and I'm thinking about developing a nice Nyquil addiction. I'll be Nyquil free- addiction sounds good because it solves both the problems you mentioned. It, it solves a lot of problems. <laughs> I'll be freebasing codeine before I know it. <laughs> um, so Penn State played Eastern Motors. I mean Eastern Michigan over the uh, over the weekend. And uh, did you learn anything from the game at all? Uh, no, I didn't. I learned that we're, as a fan base, not ready to move past the quarterback debate. No. W- one innocent little uh, fan shot about Matt McGloin winning the uh, player of the week, and it turns into a pie fight. <laughs> and, yeah, I think the, the 300th comment was something like, my thoughts are, congratulations, Matt McGloin. So, <laughs> and that's of, really what we all should have just said to begin with. <laughs> Yeah, that was an insightful kind of oh yeah. Yeah, moment. oh right, yeah. <laughs> and and you know, my my intention on posting that was really just like, oh great, this is gonna clear things up. <laughs> you know. Because it looked like Bolden was at least inching a little bit forward in the in the horse race and then McGloin went out and had a really good game. And, yeah, this uh, is this is a slugfest. It's just like it is. And it it, it it doesn't matter in so many ways because I mean, if it did if one was better, they'd be the quarterback by now. <laughs> right. But yeah, it, it's kind of like one of those like old celebrity boxing matches that were on TV all the time. Where, <laughs> they're both just sort know, of flailing to the last bell. Yeah. Neither, neither are really, um, in good form and it's just trading punches yeah. back for it, It's the new bowl refrigerator. Perry <laughs> <laughs> taking, taking wild swings or like any NBA fight you've ever seen. Um, it's, it's yeah. I mean, I, there's, I, no end, in, there's no end in sight, is there? No, and I, I, I'm okay with every as every week goes by. I'm I'm more and more okay with that. I, d- I don't think you've moved on to acceptance. Yeah, I, I, really, I really have. And <laughs> okay, I, it's good. I like that. I I mean, we before the season we talked about how we needed to pick a quarterback, and we talked about how you know that last round of of games was was unwinnable in a lot of ways, or at least at least you know going to be a difficult stretch. Um, you know, and that was with having a dedicated quarterback. I don't feel worse about that now than I did before the season. Um, other than, you know, I'm sure, and I'm sure we'll get to this, but, you know, some teams are looking better than others. Um, but I, I just don't, I, I think I'm much, I'm still much, much, much more concerned about the play calling. And that is, I guess, one takeaway is that the the coaches at least know how, or at least have written the plays down that seem to take advantage of the talent we have. They don't use them all the time, but, um, you know, getting Smith in space, getting Red in space, 
those were things we haven't seen up until this week. No, and, and that's going to be really important. I mentioned that in the recap yesterday, that if the quarterbacks, especially Bolden, because McLean doesn't seem to have this problem, if they can start checking down to those backs out of the backfield, I mean, Silas Red was on a linebacker a lot. Um, you saw what Davon Smith did when he was dragging across a little, you know, three or four yard drag across the middle. And you, you see what happens when he doesn't have to fight vertically for the ball. Just hit, hit him in stride and the ball's even a little bit behind him and it didn't matter. No, and, not and at then, all. you know, a, f- a few plays either before or after that, he's down on the four vertical uh, route and, you know, he's trying to, he's trying to fight a five eleven defensive back and he's never going to win that. That's the thing, it, it, and and that that initial screen pass to Bill Belton. Why is Davon Smith supposed to be blocking a linebacker in space? That was, that was the worst play call I've ever seen. I, that's was. not probably. I've never seen a play, you know, run. It's not his fault. Up, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what what in the world? I mean, when there, there's how many coaches on the team? And they're all watching them probably practice that play at some point. Nobody says anything. Like, like, hey, um, sense. <laughs> you know, if you're, if you're trying to get Allen Robinson in the game or if you're trying to get uh, Kersey or, or uh, Mosby Felder, you get, you know, let them block. Yeah, and it wasn't like they, he was a decoy or a threat or anything. He was just there. They snapped the ball, and he was supposed to block. A guy who literally stepped over him. Just walked. Yeah, just just walked directly through him. Yeah. Um, that 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 so, was. Yeah, there there are a few. There, I mean, there are a few play calls that you're just still kind of shaking your head at. And I understand yeah. it's Eastern Eastern Michigan, and you know there, there's not really much caution being thrown to the wind. But at the same time, what are you doing? <laughs> what what are you doing? Yeah, I don't. I don't. It doesn't seem to make any sense to try those plays when. When you know, you know, it's not a confidence builder, first of all. And no, second, it's doomed. It's doomed from the very start. The, I'm not sure who, you know, who like any of the teams that I watch um, that I get to see somewhat consistently on Saturday are doing this kind of save save the playbook for later thing. You, you see it on defense a little bit where you'll give them a new look on defense, and that's pretty effective, um, you know, when, when done wisely. But on offense, it's pretty, it's pretty rare that you see um, – you know, Rich Rod certainly was never kind of saving things for the <laughs> game. And I'm, I'm sure there's a play or two, a trick play or two that, that happened. But, I mean, work on the stuff you're good at. And then, more importantly, scare your opponents by showing them what you're good at. Right. And that, that is where you can set up something unexpected. That's when you can set up something different. Yeah, so I'm mean, run, running I've never been a fan. Yeah, I was going to say, I've never been a fan of this. Oh, we're saving stuff for later business. Like, no, you want to show them something and then take it away. Exactly. And do something completely different. And instead then, you know, of trying something in circles. It's yeah, a instead of trying something fancy for the very first time in a game. Right. You know, like, why? why? That make, makes and then that, you know, and that this idea of like, oh, we need to establish the run up the middle. Well, I think teams are on to us at this point and they know even the worst, you know, division one double A team is is gonna be capable of stacking the box and right. stopping a totally predictable run up the middle I mean, with yeah. Silas Fred, who's not a bruising back anyway. No, he, he, it's not like he's a 30-carry or 25-carry a, a game running back. No. And, so that's my and, thing. I mean, Smith, why not drag Smith across that, you know, in front of those linebackers 20 times a game? <laughs> why do it once and, 
and have it work. It's, it could be a constant, excellent threat to keep the linebackers honest and go over the top instead there, of there are he, num- yeah there are a number of things you can do with him. Just the threat of his speed, and, and they did this against Temple effectively once or twice, where he was basically pretending he was on a vertical route and then just pulls up short and catches a eight or ten yard pass. That'll work all day, and, and I guess you, you know you have to th- throw it down you know downfield once or twice just to keep him honest. But really, he should not be sent more than ten yards downfield under any you know, any circumstances. No, but, you know, I, that's that's you know we're we're, we're nitpicking on, on, on Davon Smith, but it's. Well, and really on the way well. they're using Davon Smith, I think. Yeah. You know, right. He, yeah, we're not, it's not his fault that they're doing the things they're doing with him. Right. And, you know, like you said, if you, you curl him 10 times and then curl and go, right. and then that, that kind of deep ball to Davon Smith works. So, I mean, I, I'm sure that there, there are several other kind of idiosyncrasies I'm not understanding, but it, it seems pretty, pretty obvious in the, sense, in the sense that there's plays where they line up, you know what they're going to call, you know it's not going to work. You watch the defense stop it the same way that you always expected and have always seen. I mean, that kind of stuff is just a waste of time. Yeah, and uh, speaking of that, Iowa has two weeks to get ready for Penn State, which is not good because they always know what's coming. They even yeah, admitted I, after a I game. I wonder if that matters. <laughs> it's not. I, I, I they don't need two <laughs> weeks to prepare for our offense. I mentioned on Twitter, too, that now they're going to know like 80% of our plays instead of 65% of the plays. <laughs> But they even admitted it after the game um, a few years ago where they knew they were just calling out plays, basically, on the field. They knew exactly what was coming because, you know, it's not like you're defending some sort of sophisticated offense here at Penn State and giving a guy like Ference and, and Norm Parker two weeks to prepare for it is is not a good, uh, not a good sign for Penn State. And, uh, I mean... And real quick, let's get to the other news out of the game. Uh, Mike Mowdy going down with a knee injury. Uh, he's gone for the year and most likely a significant portion of next year as well. His second ACL injury, this uh, on an opposite knee. And then uh, Denton Lynn with the uh, the scary uh, neck injury, which I didn't think was going to be that serious. I, I know they're very cautious with this stuff, but I think it was going to be that serious when I saw the play happen. Uh, he's going to be okay, but we don't know. We don't have really a, a timetable when he's going to get back into game action. And then there was the, uh, the rather hilarious tumbling out of the uh, out of the cart oh, <laughs> by the uh, by the Penn State trainer. Uh, I guess that's Doctor Sebastianelli's uh, right hand man. I, I don't know his name, but uh, that made for a wonderful uh, animated GIF on uh, on. The... <laughs> yeah, both both of those were were pretty depressing. About as depressed as I felt. Um, it made me want to put Devin still in bubble wrap. Yeah. Yes. And, um, yeah, the Maudie thing really tears you up just because you saw how upset he was. He knew exactly what happened when it happened. And then you just saw the way his teammates were reacting because I suspect they probably understood how I felt as, as much as anyone. So that, that one, I think, you know, it's good to see Lynn come back because Lynn looked pretty terrible when they were carting him off. Normally you get a wave or a, yeah, I was waiting for, but they guy. zoomed in on his face and, and he didn't look good. And he, he certainly yeah. did. Um, but I'm, I'm, I was very glad to hear, you know, all things considered his situation and the Maudi stuff is tough. You, uh, you certainly hate that. And you certainly hate to see that, especially against after such a great game last week. And, you know, in a game like this, um, right. is unfortunate. 
But it's a freak thing. It certainly wasn't, uh, you know, it's one of these kind of non-contact how or why these things happen. I'll never be smart enough to understand it. It's so devastating and it looks so um, so innocent, I guess. Yeah, and it's just, you know, doing things that the human body's not really meant to do. You know, they're not supposed to be that big, they're not supposed to be that fast, and they're not supposed to be moving at, you know, such weird directions all the time. And, you know, it's, it's an epidemic that, you know, all across all levels of football, really. That, yeah. Um, you know, it's just, it's just bad luck. And I don't think it happens to Penn State any more than it happens anywhere else. It just seems that way because it's your team. Right. But it, it's it's tough. And he, he was the, the emotional leader of that defense. Uh, if not the best player, he was at least the emotional leader. And they have depth at that position, but it's going to be uh, interesting to see who steps up leadership-wise and, and still um, looks and sounds like a guy who could do that. And, and he's been just absolutely a, a terror this year. He's he's earning money by the snap. Yeah. So and, and he knows it too. <laughs> so if, if you if you see him on Twitter, like he knows. Joe Paterno mentioned today that he uh, that's he thought still was one of the best uh, defensive linemen in the country. And within like minutes still tweeted something like, I don't want to be one of the best. I want to be the best. Like he's, <laughs> he's all, you know, he's dialed in right now. And you know, that's, you know, he has a little daughter too. And, and he, he's, he's you know, locked into a, to a goal right now. And he's certainly doing all he can to meet that. Um, with the uh, conference season starting this week, we have uh, six games. Iowa's off, as we mentioned, uh, Purdue's playing Notre Dame. Um, let's do it division by division. Like, what what do you see? And I'll, to to refresh yours and mine and everyone else's <laughs> memory, I will tell you which teams are in each division. Um, we'll start with the other division, the uh, uh, the West, the 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 corn, if you will, um, the legends, and that's Nebraska, Michigan, Iowa, Michigan State, Northwestern, and Minnesota. Um, Minnesota's obviously terrible. Um. And it doesn't help that their coach is in and out of the hospital all the time. Uh, they're not going to be a threat to anybody, probably, except Iowa at some point, because that's how that seems to work. Uh, Northwestern still doesn't have Persa back, unless I'm, I'm wrong about that. He's, he's still out of the lineup, isn't that right? Last I heard, yeah. So that that's no good for Northwestern. And... No, and they, they lost to Army, um, which doesn't bode well for them. Which, yeah, and you hate to see that Boston College win be so worthless. Yeah, Boston College is terrible. Um, Michigan State, Iowa, M- Michigan, and Nebraska look like they're going to fight it out. Nebraska doesn't seem as strong, uh, certainly on the defensive side of the ball, as we thought they might be. Uh, Michigan looks pretty good. Iowa, I, I think they found a passing game, and I, I think we're going to see a lot of that. Actually, in, in two weeks at Beaver Stadium, I think they're going to try to throw the ball. And uh, and Michigan State so still the potent offense and, and kind of a junky offensive line, but uh, Kirk Cousins is certainly a very good quarterback. How do you see, uh, you know, which of those teams is sort of outperforming or underperforming your expectations, and, and what do you see for that division? I, you know, I, I think that Michigan is doing exactly what I expected. In this, you know, they, they tried to transition to... I guess a more, um, you know, I think I, I, I love Cook's, you know, naming it man ball. They they tried to and then seemed to have abandoned that at least. And, and smartly. Yeah, and I, I think it was. To their credit. 
To, certainly to their credit, yeah. And I, I, I do obviously question the, the logic of doing that in year one anyway. But, you know, if you can't, if you can't adapt to, to somebody like him, then, you know, what are you doing? And I, I think it also speaks to kind of the way things are now, which is that when you have one or two great players, you really need to create an offense around them. You can't... Um, you can no longer just create clones and, and kind of plug them into an offense. You really need to, right? Um, you know, let a great receiver lead your offense, let a great running back lead your offense. So um, Denard is obviously a great, you know, a great player in every, in every kind of connotation of the word. So, but I still think their defense is suspect. I still don't think that, um, you know, Notre Dame is, is pretty mediocre and it took them a, a pretty miraculous game to overcome that. I think their defense will continue to probably, you know, hurt a little bit like they did last year, although I'm sure they're improved because they couldn't be worse. But but we'll see. I think, uh, you know, I think that division um, is is vulnerable or open, especially to someone oh, yeah. with an offense like that. It's wide open. <laughs> with those four teams, and, and who knows with Purse and Northwestern, if they're going to be able to put anything together, certainly they'll be uh, a thorn in someone's side at some point. Again, probably Iowa. Uh we have to keep our, our triangle of uh, of domination going with uh, us over Northwestern, Northwestern over Iowa, and Iowa over <laughs> us. We need a trophy that we pass around all year. <laughs> there should be. Kind of like the land grant, something nobody wants. Right. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's going to be those four teams to the death. And it, it very well could be somebody with, you know, three losses in the conference by the end of it. That That's going to end up, uh, you know, going through some kind of weird-ass tiebreaker to get to Indianapolis. And as far as the leaders go, which is uh, Wisconsin, Illinois, Ohio State, Penn State, Purdue, and Indiana. Purdue and Indiana, I think we could pretty much cast aside. And then, again, I mean, Wisconsin, I think, is, is clearly the class of conference at this point, at least. I, I'm not sure. I mean, people can try to poke holes in, into what they're doing, but just looking at the 12 teams... I don't think you're going to find much argument that they're the best one. They're they're so much more solid than a Northwestern team normally is. They they seem to, um, I mean, they always kind of because of the way they run their offense, they always kind of end up with these enormous score differentials early in the season. Um, right. When you can run for six yards a carry, it's hard to you know kind of bleed the game away, um, especially as you wear a defense down, but. I, I think Wisconsin is probably a lot more t- a lot more of a difficult matchup than what I expect at the beginning of the year, and and you know frankly with Ohio State down, <coughs> they probably aren't going to be out athleted by anybody, no. and they seem to have kind of a a much stronger identity than much much stronger identity than even in the conference. Michigan is probably the only other team I would say that that seems comfortable with who they are right now. Yeah, and Illinois is an interesting case. Um... I mean, they almost lost to Western Michigan, and I don't know much about Western Michigan, unfortunately, but I know they're a MAC team. Um, you know, we, we struggled with one ourselves, and, you know, I, I could look up Western Michigan season so far, but I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> but they did beat Arizona State at home 17-14, and, and that's, you know, to Illinois' credit, because you know, Arizona State's at least a, a competent team. I mean, they beat USC by 20 or 30 the other night, so at least, you know, they have, they have talent on that team. Um Ohio State, you know, certainly we think if, if, if Braxton Miller gets enough playing time, they're going to be 
evolving into that typical trestle team where it's ball control, punting, defense, and special teams. And, and that, you know, in a season like this, if you can do two out of those three things very well, you're going to do you're going to do well in the conference. So I, I think they're going to be a player until the end. And Penn State, you know, if they ever get their shit together on offense, could be could be interesting. I mean, their defense is certainly good. I mean, they're thin, and uh, and certainly now more so with uh, Mounty being out, with Lynn being out for uh, at least a, a week or two. If they could just find a way to score points, and and, and that's sort of like the most <laughs> not, not backhanded but like if you're saying like they just need to find a way to score points like that's not a good sign no but you know what if you if you i don't know how much of the monday night game you saw last night that's true yeah. um just keep bringing fair out there and play good defense yeah um yeah you never you never know i guess yeah i mean you've got to make plays on special teams and and hopefully i mean i still don't know why ficken was out kicking the 40-ish yard field goal. I mean, if, if you're going to go with Farah, who by all accounts had a very, very strong leg in high school, why is he not taking that kick um, just as practice? But Yeah, I, sorry to cut you off. No, but but one but, thing yeah. I, I had a, a you know reminded me of, you know, in the third and fourth quarters, with a team that, <laughs> that seems to be so lost on offense and so kind of unsure of who fits where, it seemed bizarre to call the dogs off as early as they did. Yeah, is that is that not um, is that not Penn Stateish of me to, you know? And I'm no, not saying and, they and, kept and, well, it's something it's something they've always done. You know, even when, I mean, granted, this is the most extreme example of it. But when they in 2005, when they went to Illinois and just pounded them, uh-huh. they didn't throw a single pass in the second half. Anthony Morelli. Yeah, could use those passes. Could use those passes. You know, (laughs) that that's when you iron stuff out. And there's a way to do it without, you know, running up the score on somebody. I mean, no 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 one's asking you to go empty backfield and 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 all verts every play of the game. Just you know, treat it like a practice, a passing practice, (laughs) or you know, try to try to work out a few running plays that you're having trouble with. But don't just. You know those minutes are valuable. Yeah, and I I, I don't understand. I mean, the game, if the game, if you're going to pretend the game isn't just a fundraiser, which it kind of is, right? Then you can at least pretend the game is is a kind of, like you said, a, a practice or at least an exhibition or, or at least a way to get tuned up. You know, and if if you're giving you know two quarter, you're making two quarterbacks split a half and a quarter, and then you're you know basically, you know, a half and a half a quarter. It's it's just really difficult to to justify that in my opinion when you have so many you know the defense is one thing and sir you don't want anyone to get hurt obviously but the injury thing seems to be a lot more of a freak incident than a kind of um, problem of of averages or you know of of having the opportunities to get hurt getting hurt kind of just happens. Here's a question for you: Are we being too hard on Penn State just because they're our team? In other words, like, okay, they're three and one, and we all thought they'd be three and one at this point. And they struggled like hell with Temple, but Temple might be pretty good. I mean, they destroyed Maryland. I don't, you know, we get into this whole transitive property of football, but, you know, Maryland uh, beat Miami, and Miami beat Ohio State, and, and all that stuff. 
you know, this means nothing on any given night, but that's the data we're working with. Is it possible that we're being too harsh on Penn State? Because part of me, if if you can get me to step away a little bit and say, like, okay, well, they're three and one. I thought they'd be three and one. And the other defense is pretty good, and the old special teams is, is a dumpster fire, but and the offense is not much better than that. But they're three and one, and there's that, and then you watch them, and yeah, you know, we're having a thunderstorm up here now. But uh, then you watch them, and you're like, okay, we can't really run the ball against terrible teams, and a lot of times they're just running blindly into eight man fronts and nine man fronts, and you know. I, Whatever that's a function of, I, I don't know if it's just that they're not they're not allowed to change the plays, or they don't want to change the plays, or whatever that is. But I mean, there are obvious flaws in every team, but the ones Penn State has, that one they're very familiar, and two they're very tragic. Like we don't have a quarterback really, we don't have much of an offensive line. That's going to get you in trouble in in any conference, any major conference. So, I mean, are we being too harsh on them, or is it justified? It's a it's a good question. Um, I was looking at Temple's uh, his the Sager and Predictor um, number. I looked at it yesterday and, and thought I'd mention it today, but they're at thirty three in his um, in his national kind of ranking, which is. Which is good. The, the Temple one was was difficult to swallow at the time, and I think you're right, but it's also early. Um, you know, I think everyone is giving the defense a lot of credit, um, considering you know the the one thing you know as good as they are is their improvement from last year is pretty remarkable. Um, and I think people are, are giving credit there where credits do it. The problem is that you know Ohio State has a problem with you know they don't have a quarterback right now. But they have a lot of kinds of, you know, in week 12, I think a lot of their fans would argue that, that they'll actually be in pretty good shape. Um, Penn State, it seems like some of the issues are a lot a lot more delicate than that. You know, the, the quarterback thing, it's I'm not entirely sure either one of them is, is going to turn the corner this year. Um, and, you know, the, the play calling issue seems to be kind of a head against the wall thing, which, again, maybe... You know, one of the things that came out of that thread, I, I wasn't um, able to participate or even necessarily get through all of it. But, um, you know, it does seem like Bolden is kind of getting more rhythmic play calls. But, you know, why is that? Is Or, excuse me, McGloin is getting kind of um, some play calls that seem to, to move the ball better. And I don't know if that's luck or because he has that available to him or if he can make the throws that are needed. I'm willing to wait and see. I, th- I think Indiana will be interesting, and then and then Iowa is really where we find out if if this team is kind of a a fringe yeah um, fringe quality game. Big Ten game or just, Big Ten team or just a mediocre Big Ten team. Iowa is the swing game, really. I mean, they could come out and if they win that, everybody's all in again. <laughs> like that, that'll be a springboard. If they come out and just lay an egg like they traditionally do against Iowa there's going to be trouble because I don't expect them to struggle with Indiana much at all this week. Indiana is awful. Um, that, that, that's not going to happen. Although Indiana's going to throw the ball. I mean, that, that they're going to be one of the first teams that Penn State's play that's going to actually try to move the ball almost exclusively through the air. So that'll be interesting to see how Penn State handles that on, on the defensive side of the ball. 
Iowa's, yeah, it's going to come down to Iowa. And you don't want to say it's a one-game season, but <laughs> but that's that's the big one, really. Alabama, we all expected to lose. Or, you know, most rational people expected us to lose. Um, hopes aside. Uh, the Big Ten schedule for this week and Minnesota at Michigan, we don't see any way Minnesota's going to compete in that one, right? No, there's there's no way. Northwestern at, at Illinois in Shambana. Could be an interesting uh, test for Illinois, or at least benchmark. Could it's only an eight-point spread Is at it? home. I could, I, could, I could roll with Fitzy on that one. Yeah. Uh, Penn State at Indiana, we've talked about. Um, do you expect any problems in this game? No, I think this is going to be exactly like the Eastern Motors game. It's going to be yeah. slow start, good defense, and then field position just crumbles Indiana, which is Michigan, really... Michigan State at Ohio State. I didn't even know that game was happening. And I'm looking at it like, oh, that's that's interesting. Yeah, this, this what's, will be, what's this will be very on interesting. Ohio State's favored by a touchdown, so okay. um, I don't think that speaks well of Michigan State that they're kind of a neutral yeah. field equal. Um, but, you know, Michigan, Michigan State is always a team that, that seems to have momentum going into Ohio State, and then there's obviously been some tragic and hysterical uh meltdowns um yes but i it, it's inter- this is a game where unfortunately i could see ohio state turning a corner here um against a team that's good enough to kind of you know to turn the corner against yeah it's, like, <laughs> it's too bad they're not playing wisconsin and and you know set them back a couple weeks, but, right they're good enough to be a building block for ohio state right but you know i will say the michigan ohio state game is panning out to become that's gonna be fun yeah, that'll be an interesting one for the first that's, time. That's going to be a great weekend of games. I mean, with uh, Iowa, Nebraska, and Penn State, and Wisconsin. Although that could be a an ugly one, but uh, yeah, that, that three pack of games is something that the conference was very smart to uh, to put together. Um, Notre Dame at Purdue. Um, it's it's hard to tell what you're going to get from Notre Dame really at all, <coughs> um, but Purdue is is bad enough that uh, it, it shouldn't be. Uh, Shouldn't be a problem. Eight o'clock game on ESPN. Interestingly <laughs> enough, uh, uh, West Lafayette under the lights, and uh, the big one is Nebraska at Wisconsin. And frankly, I think Wisconsin's going to roll them. Yeah, I, I think the everyone has been. This is going to be one of those games where everyone's going to go. You know, I knew Nebraska wasn't that good. Yeah, at the end of that, that's where um, I think it's going. And they, they probably have talent, and but they. Everyone has just kind of assumed that they're going to be good. I haven't, I haven't heard anyone get specific about that, and I think no. Wisconsin is just I, a bowling ball right now. Yeah, I could see Bielema uh, just putting it on them, and I'm hoping. Oh that, yeah, I'm hoping <laughs> oh, yeah, that uh, Wisconsin is not. Oh, <laughs> sorry, I'm hoping they're not 11 and 0 and looking for uh, you know ranked third in the country and looking for votes at the end of the year. <laughs> Because I, him and Joe Pa have a little, uh, little bit of uh, a little bit of history with the uh, they, with the uh, illegal, uh, quasi illegal kickoffs. That gag that Bielema pulled a few years ago, then Paterno put it on him twice. <laughs> after that, like real good blowouts, and uh, you know, Bielema's just enough of a dick to uh, to really run it up in that game if he gets a chance. So. File that away for later. We'll, we'll get there eventually. But uh, those are the games this week. Uh, neither one of us is expecting any trouble against Indiana. 
Iowa next week. We'll be on with uh, Jacoby and Vint, and uh, we've all been looking forward to that uh, very, very much for uh, for weeks now. And it, it's just going to be sort of a pre-funeral for me. I'm, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not going to like express any shred of confidence whatsoever in that podcast. Like, well, you know, it's we're just going to be uh, uh, prison bitches in that game, <laughs> and that can be pleasantly surprised later. Yeah, I'm. I'm uh... I'm going to keep to that strategy too. I like, <laughs> especially after the last couple of years. Or I could just go over the top and be like, "Okay, it's our year. This, this is this is the time where uh, <laughs> you know Iowa finally gets their uh, their comeuppance. Joe Pa's going to give them the what for? <laughs> I can't wait to see all the stuff Cody's been saving. Talk about saving your best plays for the for the big week. <laughs> Hopefully, we get that out of Jacoby. Ah, yes, indeed. All right, well, I'll talk to you next week. Yep.